So is free basic cocaine, is that crack? No, no, no free, it's not. Uh, but okay. it's, it's, it's the precursor, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Basically, okay. the crack thing is, the, is like you pre-cook it and you add baking soda and then it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. Wow. Just knows so much. Um, they didn't have cable, but they had crack in Park Slope. <laughs> totally. I grew, up in, I grew up in Brooklyn, so, you know, I have to know how to make crack. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Good evening, sir. Uh, Jeff, you've been in Zoom meetings all day in Berkeley, correct? I am. I think Zoom should be a verb now. I am it thoroughly is. Zoomed. I am Zoomed. I think that's I, it. That's we'll, part of we'll work on adjective. the definition, but holy, yeah, holy moly, I've been, I've You're been in Zoomed. it today. Yes. Hey, I need, I need you to step up for one more Zoom meeting. 1988 needs you. Ben we'll Barton, be, how are you in Knoxville? Won't be no problem. Killing it, man. I'm totally ready tonight. I've, got, right. I've got the A game. This oh geez yeah just th- for people to know before the recording started I've already been called an idiot so Ben is warmed <laughs> up and ready to go it's gonna be a great one <laughs> we are uh, gonna put you through the fryer tonight Jeff Simons uh, speaking of which we're getting a little blowback well first of all someone tweeted us from the UK telling Love us it. that careless whisper was released in the UK under George Michael's name, but released in the US as Wham. So I was right. George I was Michael. right about this. This commercial so, is my guy. So you were right. I have actually uh, asked that person to, to do a little sugar cubes research to see if <laughs> birthday was released in the UK. Um, so yeah. We're, Are they going to research whether it's a good song now? Because that's what you need. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, we know, later, we know the answer because you didn't get tweet. back to that follow-up email. Um, <laughs> but I love, we're getting a sense of our audience right away. People who also have arcane limited knowledge yeah, uh, are our fans. So oh, dude, I would hope so, man. Listen, if there are people who are like, you know, I don't really care that much about music, but I just listen to this hour-long podcast, <laughs> I'd be worried. Trouble, real trouble. So two other listeners uh, are worried about how we select our songs. One person has gone so far as to accuse us. Accuse? Accuse us of Emil just Zola. selecting songs that are like off the grid to create controversy. Or I was like, who are we, Ben Shapiro? We got the, some sort of music podcast where we're trying to create controversy. Um, this is a person who also thinks like 1988 should be the year of Paula Abdul on our podcast. So straight up and tell me um i saw so what do you want to know what what clarification do we need to make about the 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 process how do we select our songs what is the criteria for the best song of the year according to this podcast 
All right, I'll just go. This makes me super happy. All right, so I've previously stated, I'm going to refer to my previous work, that there's three different ways to do this. One way to do it is to choose your favorite song from that year uh, when you were that age. And now we're at an age where we remember. Another way to do it is your favorite song from that year right now. And As then an the adult. third way to do it is to choose the most meaningful song, the most emblematic song for that year. And Paul Abdul will not make any of those three. Right. But I mean, the most emblematic one would tend to be a little bit more popular, right? Because you're choosing a song that says something about the year. And, um, and, and I said you... previously, basically the best, my best picks have been years where I feel like I've hit all three. And, and, and I think I will it was Rapper's say, Delight that that yeah, did over that time you. i've grown and th this year i hit it this year is all three. um it, over time i've become less comfortable just choosing my favorite current song from the year do you understand right. what i mean yeah because yeah, like, yeah. like my, my my tastes are, have gotten more sui so, generous yeah. and weird and the most popular and most emblematic song for that year i'm probably tired of listening to so that yeah. would make it hard for me to choose I mean, this is this is the year that Tracy Chapman rele releases "Fast Car." That's a song I played all the time in 1988. I can't go within a hundred feet of that song right now. So yeah, it doesn't feel like I don't feel comfortable picking "Fast Car." Um, I still don't know what I'm going to pick this particular year. But you're locked you know, in, you Ben. You get on that before we start recording a podcast. Nah, let's just, <laughs> let's no, just no, no. Clap wait until it's wait, over. Wait. Decide so, after we're done. <laughs> I think Ben's. I think Ben's description is pretty great, and I think uh, okay. the years that feel best is when there's some kind of a intersection. But I'm going to push back on the uncomfortable picking. You know, the one I like best because anybody listening to this podcast knows that Fast Cars was a big song in 1988. Like. The podcast offers nothing if all we do is go back and say like, this hey, remember that song we all knew? Right. No, that was a song. So the whole point is that we each bring our own like, you know, pixie dust special sauce to the mix. So I'm going to get weirder and weirder as the podcast goes on and I'm totally cool with it. <laughs> oh, is because... that right? Are we going to get weirder? Oh, yeah. But you're not I... doing that for headlines, Jeff Simons. No, I'm doing that because if you take the song I love then, the song I love now, a song that I think is emblematic of the moment, and then you put it in my blender, not uh -huh. just everybody's blender. That's the song I should pick. And what my one third of the podcast is my little blender. Okay, so what what place in your selections for 1988 did this year's Grammy winner uh, come in? Not in the top five. Go for it. It's the Grammy winner. Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin. Don't Worry, Be Happy was a number one jam. I have no beef with this. No. I have uh, no beef with this. Not only do I like this song, but I recorded my own version of no, it. I got a Fostex 4 track, and to learn how to do it, I did this. And you know, here's the thing. It only took me two hours to do a okay. pretty good facsimile of this. Like, Oh boy. Once I realized like not how hard this is, I liked it less. But yeah, this was everywhere in 1988. No, and also, dude, this is a weird song. 
You know what I mean? Like we've had previous Grammy winners that sound not weird. This is weird. So this is like an unusual one. We're not going to hear another Grammy winner that has this combination of weird sounds. That's true. Do you remember that he did a cover of Them Changes on the on the action? I don't know if you guys investigated yeah. the whole album as oh, I investigated. Believe did. me, um, did but you the, really? He did, yeah, oh. he did. Um, he did that old Hendrix song, like do 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 do. It was actually kind of good. <laughs> it's kinda oh yeah, no, that poor guy. Like this was one of those things where it was a gargantuan, massive hit, and he made bank for the record company, and they right. were like, dude. Like, what can we do? Let's turn the screws on you. And yeah. he was like, I'm, a, I'm the don't worry, I'd be happy guy. Like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I have. And they were like, <laughs> well, you know, he how about a- don't worry, be happy with a drum machine? That, that We've got something. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, uh, he taught at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. I mean, he was an accidental oh, cool. hit. And uh, he continued to teach there through them. He just kind of went back to being a music professor. But he was kind of a San Francisco presence, you know, oh, you uh, know, on on stage and bare feet on the rug you know very groovy dude <laughs> well uh this is 1988 this is your uh, i guess the end of your freshman year in college beginning of your sophomore year it's my graduation from high school and then the beginning of college uh the iran iraq war ends uh i think it was an eight-year war is that correct jeff simons I don't know. Did it really end, or do we just are we calling the pause between the two of them an ending, or just an interregnum? Do you know how many people died in the Iran-Iraq War? No. We mean well. I certainly don't know uh, comparative to you know one another, but uh, no. Well, I Tim, thank you for not doing the prices right. That would have been really low budget yeah. for you to yeah. be like Jeff, yeah. choose Ben. Right. Four. I mean, I'm <laughs> yes. not. I'm not touching that one. 1.5 million people died. And I just kept thinking of like Saddam Hussein, I don't think was a very good ruler. No, or the Iranians. It's not like they were bathing themselves in glory either. Yeah. No. no. I would have guessed. Right. That's, that's an ugly 1.5 too. They're not huge yeah. countries and there was a grind. Like that's yep. horrible. Yeah. Um, you've got the uh, Pan Am jet over where that explodes. Lockerbie. Lockerbie, yep, Scotland. That's right. That is correct. There is a drug that appears on American streets, Jeff Simons, in 1988. Uh, this is uh, when crack begins? This is when crack begins, indeed. I thought it was a little earlier than that. I'm surprised. So it's free basing. I think this is when it really booms. But yeah, I think explodes, in like 85, yeah. 86, they're already starting. But this is yeah. when it sort of reaches the national consciousness. I mean, Richard Pryor sets himself on fire in 1982, free basing cocaine. So there's the... Uh... So is free basing cocaine, is that crack? No, no, no free... it's not. Oh. But okay. it's, it's, it's the precursor, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Basically, okay. the crack thing is like, it's like you pre-cook it and you add baking soda and then it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. Wow. Just... Knows so much. Um, they didn't have cable, but they had crack in Park Slope. Totally. I grew up in I grew up in Brooklyn, so you know I have to know how to make crack. <laughs> um, let's see. The Soviet Union withdraws from Afghanistan. That did not seem to work out for them. Thank goodness we took over. Yeah. yeah. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. 
And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Um, a Brief History of Time, written by Stephen Hawking, comes out. By the way, spoiler, not a brief book. I thought it was going to be a really quick read. You thought it was going to be time yeah. for dummies. I'm like, oh, <laughs> brief history. I'm in. Wait, who, did anybody here read it? I read no, it. No, I Tim, did not read it. Dude, way worse than me reading it was my dad read it. And uh-huh. it was like, like every time I'd come home for vacation, he'd be like, did you know about quarks? And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it's... Uh, not a book I grasped uh, a great deal of. I mean, there I did be read, pages. I, I did read the Satanic Verses in 1988 in a, oh, a class, right. which was also an enormous, huge, very difficult to read, uh, incomprehensible text. Right. At least for and, me. Which also did not have certain fans. No. Um, all right. I've got more stuff, but Jeff Simons, this is your particular strength. Oh God. Uh, there were Arcane Olympics in 1988. Yes. Where were the Winter Olympics? Where were the Summer Olympics? The Summer Olympics were in Seoul. Uh, the Winter Olympics. Uh, let's see. We went Lake Placid, 80. Uh, Yugoslavia. Was it? Was Calgary, 88? My God. He knows his Olympics. Mm, that was so impressive. Good. <laughs> That's, That's pretty really good. great. What are you guys doing now that Sears is closing down? <laughs> <laughs> we have to turn elsewhere for our entertainment. All right. Well, let's get the uh, number one hit from 1988. This kind of surprised me. and me it was It was a tie, uh, but I picked the what I felt was the more obscure number one hit. This is an artist for which I have affection, but this song I really dislike. So, It's the number one hit. Roll with it. By Steve Winwood. Those of us listening, right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is this did not be see the Ben last, Barton's eye roll. Is this going to be the last, even arguably, rock song that hits this massive number one? No, I um, doubt it. I think 1991 smells like Teen Spirit. We'll that's have, not we'll, going to be the number one song for that year. No way. That didn't get radio play on Z100. Like, there's it? no, no didn't way. It break, they broke huge in '92, didn't they? Go I know that, that record sold a jillion copies, but I mean, the number one song, like "Roll with It," the number one song means that it was played in rotation on the hour, every right. hour on hit radio. Right. And there's no way that smells like Teen Spirit. No, okay. Uh, I maybe need you to... maybe there will be a hair metal song though. There really might be a hair metal song that hits between now and and then. Uh, yeah, Ben Barton. Maybe. Ben Barton, you need to prepare yourself for the next gosh six years uh maybe <laughs> out of those six years you'll like one of the number one hits maybe seven years maybe eight years that's uh, fine dude if we if we went one for six i would be like improvement good news yeah. you could you could start at shortstop we, going one for six we got to uh you have defense we gotta wait all the way to 1999 to get a number one hit 
that could be defined as rock. Oh, and I know what that is, and it sucks. <laughs> That's going to be rough. That's a long stretch, dude. You, if you think about it for a second, you'll know what that that unforgivable crap it, song is that's waiting for us. Oh no, my god! Well, well ninety nine is is not rap. Ninety nine is rock. I know. And oh. Unforgivable. If I'm right about what it is, unforgivable. Give rock me song. the uh, first initial of the artist. Uh, S. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love this. Um, this is great. But um. But the Grammy winners, Ben, it's a just a shithole for a while. Uh, That's awesome. right. I love this preview. You're making me really happy. I'm, uh, so I'm, now just, I'm looking forward to next week. We haven't said <laughs> we haven't said why we don't like roll with it. Like I no, like yeah, Stevie Winwood. I think he was great at 15 years old singing "Give Me Some Lovin." There are at least half a dozen traffic songs that I like. He's a great singer in "Blind Faith." Um, I like some of his solo stuff. I, I actually don't mind some of the 80s stuff. Oh, totally agree with that. Oh, I, I agree. Mean, it's, yeah, it, I love And that I song. saw him open for Tom Petty like five years ago. He's ageless. He plays Hammond organ, sings, and does all the bass with his feet. It's a trio with a guitar, drums, and him. It's super musical. and But this song is uh, is just like the worst kind of aim for the middle arm yeah this is the, right. what, what's the, the best crap. song from the record before this the comeback uh, record back in the high life is oh good. yeah dude back in the high life that song yeah. that's fine that song right. is higher great. love is it is i mean it's a little bit cheesy but i like higher love and there's a couple other songs on that record that don't that that are totally fine but this yeah is but the, roll with it is also it's just like like a retro 50 song with a bunch of cheesy keyboards oh, it sounds like it. a beer commercial it sounds yeah. like right. the kind of song that was written to sell pepsi and that's that's just not okay. Yeah, Ben, I, I saw your eye roll as soon as the lyrics started. And it was like, oh, that is an indication that Ben does not feel this is authentic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. This is not authentic blues. Uh, no. Funny, this is also the year Terrence Trent Darby appeared on the scene. What do you think of Terrence Trent Darby, Ben? Oh, huge. Wishing Well is like a second bomb. place. I really badly wanted Wishing Well. I, I can't describe how much I love Wishing Well. I feel bad for the guy because Millie Vanilli happens pretty much at the same time. Oh, but Terrence Trent Darby's a, a terrific weirdo. His second record oh. was called Neither Fish Nor Flesh. <laughs> and it's like got these eight minute songs on it. It's got a killer ballad called To Love Someone Deeply Is To Love Someone Softly. That's just awesome. But it's mostly really weird. Terrence Trent Darby wanted to be Prince, not Millie yeah. Vanilli. Right. And the problem was like, there was only room for one Prince Really character weird in America's yeah, dude, and also he, imagination. He, he's 20 years too early. He's Frank Ocean. Like, yeah, he, that's uh, great. He starts out as an R&B guy, and then it's like, yep. I'm a huge weirdo, but there's no, there's no, like, the way the record industry worked, there was no room for it. But, I mean, he would be, people would love that now. Yeah, I'm actually surprised yeah. he hasn't been rediscovered, because uh, Symphony or Damn, that record's got two or three great songs well, on it. He changes his name, so he's hard to find. Well, that's true. He, and he changes it not for religious reasons. He just, just changed his name. He just said, you know what? Terrence Trent Darby's dead. I'm a new guy now. Which I was thinking of doing What that. is the new name? But, is it, uh, I, I mean, It's like know? simpatico, blah, blah, blah. He's, I don't know. It's an Italian name, I believe. Nice. Um, all right. But I digress. Where were we? Oh. I've got uh, an impossible question, Jeff, based on 
your article. Can you tell everybody what your article was? Oh, yeah. On the Music City Drive-In Podcast website, uh, where you can find all things 50 Years of Music. Um, I wrote this week's blog about debut records, because in 1983, we talked about the Violent Femmes putting out a great debut record, and uh, I have received some pushback what? about my choice. So what? I put up what I thought were the 12 best debut records of the years we've covered so far. Great. Um, so the impossible question for both of you, I'm going to give you Rolling Stones top three all time uh, debut albums. You both get to take one out and put one in. So who are you taking out and who are you putting into the top three all time debut records? Ready? Yeah. That's, yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's that, that was when you said, <laughs> Jeez, is this thing on? I muted myself. <laughs> All right. They had uh, number three, Jimi Hendrix. Are you experienced? Number, number two, the Ramones. And they had number one, the Beastie Boys. What? Really? Yeah. Rolling Stone, number one. That's a weird combination. Who that are you really taking is. out? Who are you putting in? That's an Jeff's easy one to take out. Jeff, yes, me, is, I take out the fresh. Ramones record. The Ramones record is the most overrated debut of all time. Totally agree. Wow. I mean, uh, I, and, I, and the funny thing is, I like the Ramones. I own like, the Ramones box set, and those yeah. songs are great. But there's no version of that where you're like, oh, that's, you know, that's better than the Cars' first record. Right. Like, it's yeah. a bunch of three chord, two minute songs where they yell. Oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> I like it too, but it's, it, yeah. It's not so the Ramones, top three. The Ramones is out. Um, Who are you going to put in? Uh, you I, just I, did this. You actually I know, know something. but you only get one. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I might put the Violent Femmes in there. I love that record. I might put the Clash's first record if you want to have okay. a punk record. That's an easy replacement for the Ramones record. The Cl first Clash record's way better. Okay. Um, but I agree with Are You Experienced? And uh, Ben loves the Beastie Boys, so I think that's a little bit much. I think... Oh, I would not put Boys, them as the best debut put, album of all time. Are you crazy? Yeah, their second made, record's better than their first. Yeah, and so their third record might be better than their second, so... Um, I uh, I, I'm not going to kick them out because I don't have to kick them out, but I, I would not have that on the list. I'll take uh, College Dropout, the first Kanye record. That's good. Oh, Kanye interest. Okay. Oh, that's good. All right. I, uh, so, Ben, I've never listened to College Dropout. That's going to hurt your feelings. Okay. You should really should, do that. So, I should do that. I'm going to make a note to self. Lose <laughs> 10 to self. pounds. Discover 21st century music before podcast. College Dropout. <laughs> That's uh, Kanye with a Y. Is case. that a Y? Okay, yeah. good to hear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is a nice segue to the invitation to cynicism, my uh, two cynical friends. I'm going to make you go to Broadway. Can you uh, name the top three longest running musicals in Broadway history? I can Cats. name one of them. You can even you can even work together if you want. Okay, right. good. So Jeff goes first. He gets cats. Yep. Cats is not on there. I'm gonna. Oh, great! Off really? Cats. I'm gonna cats say Phantom fifth. of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera is number one. It debuts what year? Who cares? I'm just dunking on Jeff right now. Get down, Jeff. How about that? All right. First of all. It's 1988 because that's the year of this podcast. Oh, I should have known that. But I, yep. still, I'm, I'm just going to celebrate anyway. S second of all, I said you guys could be a team and you could work together. And you just jumped on them. The whole point of this pointed. is not teamwork, I promise. 
<laughs> well, I was going to guess Les Mis, but I think that must be wrong because that's wrong. That's six. The same guy, right? It is. Uh, do you want me to give you the next two? Because I, I got to get to my on. question. Does it include uh, the stupid off Broadway? Because the Fantastics no. ran for like that's what years. I was going to ask. If the fan, nope. if like some old shit like that on Broadway. Oh, I don't know. Or care. I really don't care. <laughs> well, really you're going to have to care when I get to my question. Uh, okay. Chicago. I never no. would have gotten that. And then uh, The Lion King. Oh, yeah. All right. Here is the invitation to citizen question where I ask you not to be cynical. You both have to pick a favorite song from a musical and you cannot choose anything from Hamilton. Hamilton is out. What is your favorite song from a Broadway musical? What moved you? What gets your toes a tapping? Go ahead. Are you going to go first, Jeff, or should I? Uh, you go first. All right. So I'm going to forget the stupid name of the song, but the, um, it's like learning to fly and learning your wings from Wicked. Um, so first I'll note that my younger daughter, Georgia, is a huge Broadway musical person oh. and loves it. It's like one of her favorite things. And I've seen Wicked three times on Broadway with her because that's how much she loves that show. Um, And basically it's a great show. The songs are great. And that song in particular is like about these two former rivals who become best friends. And it's like a little bit of a feminist superpower song. It's pretty likable. All right. So learning to fly or something like that. I'm going to figure out what it is. All right, Jeff. I'm going to go with uh, America from West Side Story. I like to live in America. Yeah, I like West Side Story. It's really well written, and the music. I, I always, I would might go with Officer Krupke on other days. Just <laughs> oh yeah, it's so funny, and and the music's brilliant. I mean, it's really. Uh, oh really? You're being serious? I'm being serious. West oh, Side. Okay. I, I hate musicals, but with the exception, West Side Story gets a pass because uh, the music is really something else altogether. It's really well written. It's All cheesy, right. and uh, there's obviously, it's not aging super great, but. Uh, America's undeniable. All those triplets. Right. Mm, da, da, mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I love yeah. it. So I'm going to yes. go with either either America or Officer Krupke from and West Side what, what a plot. I don't know how they came up with that plot. It was awesome. Yeah, exactly. Also, Ben and I got to watch a student production of West Side <laughs> oh, Story. Don't. You're, you're going to insult the people now. Where the sharks and jets accidentally hurt each other in the fake shark and jet. <laughs> um, and I made the mistake of mocking that a little bit. And oh, my review no. for the student newspaper and oh, the student no. director kicked my mailbox. <laughs> he kicked your mailbox? He was mad. In retrospect, what was I doing? I should have written like, boy, oh, everybody dude, was... was sure great in that musical, weren't they? And I made so a little the... bit too much fun of it. Oh, no. So having been there at the time, I'm going to say two things. The first thing is that Jeff was incredibly generous to that musical, which <laughs> okay. included like no Latinos at all. In oh, the Latino gang. Yeah. No, that's it awkward. was embarrassing. And dude, this is 1988 or whatever. I knew. I was like, you can't like that. No, <laughs> that's not okay. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, so that was bad. Uh, but that being said, they, I also understand why it would have been much nicer to have been like, good job, boys. And just, nice try. And just leave it alone. There yeah. were several paragraphs of good job. And then I made a couple. No, of, no, but you can't say anything against the musical people. They come for you. They do. <laughs> they kick your mailbox. They oh, by the way, mailbox. it's uh, Defying Gravity. That's the name. Oh, of the yeah. Ah, okay. That's okay. a good, good one. All right, Defying Gravity. How many more times am I going to be forced to talk about musicals on this podcast? I think that's, that's it. a regular. Oh, I'm going to choose. I'm tempted to choose a Hamilton song in like 13 or 11, right. whatever that's, it came out. Hamilton it. transcends musical. I mean. 
Wow. You know, All think. right. Let's uh, transition to our um, three songs. Real quick, though, I have invited uh, some local record store owners onto the podcast for next week because uh, local record store day is September 26th. Well, it was also last Saturday, so. No, it's September 26th. It's happening in three, three tiers. I cannot oh. wait to have the local record store guys on, and if they can hook me up with a so, copy of the Cheap Trick record, okay. then we are all good. Well, here's what you guys oh, have to no. do, my record store people. Uh, uh, next week, I want you to come up with your top three uh, record stores of all time, or top three oh, record stores. Oh, god! I can totally all do over that. it. So go back into your uh, into your past and think about fun record store experiences. Oh, done. And all done. right, let's go. Our three songs. Our three songs. Ben Barton, you're first. Yeah, man. All right. So I said I united the clams. All three come together this year. All right. So Chuck D and Flavor Flav are students at Adelphi University on Long Island. When they get together into a rap collective, not currently called Public Enemy, they record a song called Public Enemy Number One, and they play it on the Adelphi radio station, WBAU. So they're having a modicum of success with this. Okay. And uh, Rick Rubin finds out about them, and he's sniffing around to sign them. They get the call up to the big leagues. They play Public Enemy Number 1 on WBLS, which is the African-American rap, hip-hop, R&B station in New York. Which I believe you, too, refers to an Angel of Harlem. Late night. And you'll remember, like, they have a whole bunch of references to where their only play is late at night. Yeah, uh, they get played late night at WBLS, and Magic Mike, the host, buries them. You can actually look it up, and there's audio of Magic Mike listening to Public Enemy, and his take on them is the beats fine, the rapping's weak. You'll never hear those suckers again. Oh my this is goodness! Just a quote from Magic. Wow. Magic it's a bad look Mike. for him. For sure. Needless to say, it, that did not play out for him very well. Right. Oh. So they, their first record, Yo Bum Rushed the Show in 1987. Um, and Jeff, I'd be curious to hear what you think. It's fine. Yeah, it's good, but, but not there's great. There's a couple of good songs on it, but it's not groundbreaking at all. And you get a little bit of the flavor for what they're going to be, but you don't get a flavor for it at all. Okay. They go on tour, opening for the Beastie Boys on the License to Ill tour. And just pause for a minute. So you have a whole bunch of white people who turn out to hear Fight for Your Right to Party, right? Right, right. And the opening <laughs> act is Chuck D yelling at them with Flavor Flav dancing around in the back with a clock around his neck and the SW, the S1Ws <laughs> like marching in time with Uzis behind them. Like, Wait, believe me, people are like, S1Ws? Wow. They, they had a security force called right. the S1Ws. That can dance. Yeah, they danced yeah. and did twirls and stuff. Super badass and S1Ws. hilarious. Okay. Anyhow... Dude, the reception was really good. So they return to the studio and they're like, we need to be faster and more aggressive. That was okay. what was wrong with Yo Bum Rush the show. They leave the bomb squad. So one of the things that's crazy about um, Public Enemy is they're an artist collective, which is really funny for rap. But there's like a whole cluster of people that hang around with them. I mean, Chuck D's the guy, he's the main rapper. And then you got Flavor Flav, right. who's the hype man. But then there's Professor Griff, and there's the uh, yep. S1Ws, and then yeah. there's the Bomb Squad, which is four different guys who record the record. And then Terminator they, the bomb, X. 
I mean, Terminator X, the, the DJ, right? So right. the bomb squad actually leaves the tour six weeks early and they go back to Long Island and they're just recording samples. All they do is record these like one to two to three second snippets of songs. Uh -huh. And they're coming up with a completely different sound for rap. So we've gone through this before, like the Beastie Boys is a perfect example, but Run DMC is like this too, where you have a sample, it's a clearly recognizable portion of the song that it came yeah. from. Right. That's not the Bomb Squad thing at all. Like they're cutting it down to these little tiny things and then they mash it all together into this crazy new thing where you can't even pull out what the different samples are. And some of the songs have like 20, 25 samples on it. It's huh. crazy. Yep. They get off the tour. They record the entire record in six weeks. They have huh. all of it written. They've done it completely <laughs> on the tour. They sit down and they record it all. It's the, I mean, like KRS-One was super socially conscious, Eric right. and Rakim, I mean, The Message, some of the Run DMC songs, but this is easily the most political rap that's, that's ever been recorded at that time. And honestly, really, it's a little bit sad, but it's the high point of political rap, period. Uh. Um, and I'll just say, there's a couple of bad things about it. Like Professor Griff turns out to be kind of yeah. anti-Semite and says yeah. some bad things. Um, and there's a whole bunch of references to the Nation of Islam and Louis Farrakhan who are like, uh, depending on how you want to count it, pretty anti-Semitic. So I'm not right. here to defend that. And I don't want to put different oppressed people against each other. Um, that being said, it's a beautiful, powerful work of art. Um, many critics consider it the best rap album of all time, A Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Um, when they went in the studio, Chuck D said with his outside voice, we're going to do what's going on in rap and they actually accomplish it. Like, it's an amazing performance. Um, and it's it, like, first, his raps are, are beautiful and incredible and super, super strong. Right. And the sampling, I want you to pay particular attention. Jeff's going to hit us with Bring the Noise. That's the second song on the record, but really the first. Yeah. Um, and I just want you to hear how thick and rich the samples are. And, we'll and Jeff, you have to take us through the second verse so you can yeah. hear the funky drummer. Yeah. Dude, right. it, it, I got a story about that too. Bring the Noise by Public Enemy. Too black, too strong. Too black, too strong. Yo, Chuck, these early dribbles are still front on us. Don't know we can do this, because we always do this. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah, boy. Bass, how low can you go? Death row. What a brother know once again back gives the incredible rhyme animal, the uncannable beat. Public enemy number one, five folks said freeze, and I got numb. Can I tell them that I really never had a gun? But it's the wax that the Terminator X fun. Now they got me in the cell, cause my records they sell. Cause a brother like me said, well, Farrakhan's a prophet, and I think you wanna listen to what he can say to you. What you wanna do is follow for now. Power the people say, make a miracle, deep up the lyrical. Black is back, all in, we're gonna win. Check it out. Well, let's 
verses I'm saying inside music that the critics are blasting me for. They'll never care for the brothers and sisters why across the country has us up for the war. We got to get them straight. Come on now, they're going to have to wait till we get it right. Radio stations are questioning black as they call us a black, but we'll see if they'll play this. Good Lord. So, so Jeff, wow. there's one really, really, really recognizable sample in there. What is it? It's the funky drummer, James Brown, 1967. So, dude, do you know the story of recording it? Uh, I don't know if I do. When you listen to it again, listen carefully. That's a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) That's a mistake. That sample was meant for another song. They put it in. Chuck D rapped over it. And then they were like, oh, keep that. Keep that. Because uh, when you listen to it again, it stands out. Yeah, oh, it doesn't yeah. make sense. It's at a different it rhythm. There's nowhere. no reason for it. Yeah. Yep. It's hey, PM, but it's a totally different thing. There's yeah. four other songs sampled here that you know backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards, but they're really hard to recognize. Can you name them? Nope. All right. So that weird, <laughs> the weird guitar noise. Oh, so the other thing that's crazy about it, it's called Bring the Noise, but the entire record's like this. Dude. It's an atonal jazz record. Yeah. Like, the Bomb Squad was super weird. And the <laughs> fact that they, so that guitar sound, that rear, rear, rear. Do you know what that is? Uh-uh. I can't place it. It's the guitar solo at the beginning of Get Off Your Ass and Jam. Isn't no that freaking crazy? That's perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. And then it's got like eight James Brown songs. It's got Get Up, yep. Get Into It, Get Involved. Give it up or turn it loose and funky drummer. Um, it's got the Commodores, the Soul Children. And then at the beginning, and do the entire records this way, and basically all of the good records all the way through uh, Apocalypse 91. Multiple songs start with these amazing quotes from the civil rights era. That's so right. that's Malcolm X. Right. And dude, uh, when you go back, if you want to look up what the samples are, go back and listen to that entire Malcolm X recording. Like they had all of these LPs of the civil rights people. I mean, there's, there's Malcolm X and then there's uh, Martin Luther King and there's a bunch of other ones. And then they cut it up along with the stuff as the statement and it's spectacular. Um, and we have an amazing run by the Bomb Squad during here. All right, so the Bomb Squad record all of the good public enemy records. And along with that, uh, Eric B and Rakeem The Message uh, they record, wait, hold on, let me get it. Oh yeah, are you ready? They do the first Slick Rick record, which <laughs> is a great record. They do the Bell Biv DeVoe Poison record. Nice. Uh, and which is they a do Barton. America KKK's Most Wanted, oh, the Ice Cube record. record. I mean, it's a banger right out there. Oh, they do Eric B and Rakeem The Ledge also. Like, All right. That's a, that's a really great four-year run by them. I have a question. Do it, Tim. Uh, the bomb squad are, are just finding the samples and the beats that then the rappers rap over. Yeah. I mean, so are, that's, a, that's what I mean by a crazy what's a bomb collective. Squad? So yeah, that's, the, like, that's the name of this group of guys who are the producers. One's Chuck D and then there's the two Shockley brothers. And then there's a guy, I can't remember his real name, but it's Vietnam is his nickname. So they're kind um, of producers and in a way they're the band kind of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and, but they, but Terminator X, it's like sits outside of them. He's not one of the producers, but dude, he's a huge value add. He's, he, I mean, at this time, it depends how you want to count it, but he's the best DJ. I mean, he's doing the most oh. innovative stuff he creates. And he's doing uh, stuff live that nobody had ever even tried. Like he's actually dropping these samples 
live with the original vinyl on, I mean, Terminator wow. X is something special. So you so, called this the, the what's going on of rap music. There's two other records that this reminds me of. This is the pet sounds of rap. Oh, dude, where, totally. Where half the band goes out live and half the band stays home and gets the next record ready and takes wow. it to a whole nother level. Like the Beach Boys from 65 to 66 bust through. And this is the same thing. It's also the Led Zeppelin II. Oh, I like it. The first record was like tentative and they establish a sound, but it's not quite right. And you record the whole thing on the road really quickly. You, you find all the right elements of your sound. You strip everything else out. I, 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 um, I think that this song is one of the 20 most influential songs ever recorded. I think that Rap music gets catapulted into a whole new. I love that you call this like an atonal jazz record, right? This record is, it's it's a sound record, it's a sound collage record, and it is so powerful. And I, I just blows. I still blows my mind when I hear it that this was a popular record. You know, yeah. I, when when I play like challenging music for my students or my kids, they're just like pass. <laughs> but then they like they think this is great, and I'm like, how did Public Enemy thread the needle between this? a sound collage john cage composition approach to rap music and pull it off so well and i just i mean this was one of those moments where uh ben had to drive the bus but um my pick is is i mean bring the noise defines 1988 in a way that we, uh, we might not have had a song that that defines a year as completely for me as bring the noise defines 1988 did you know who chuck d said that the bomb squad was Phil Spector. Yeah, there you go. Wall yeah, of Sound. Perfect. Isn't that Wall great? Isn't that great? Totally. Yeah, and so Chuck D's got his own killer podcast where he shows he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of American oh, popular music. We got to have him on. Public Enemy was, and I remember- he's a fellow I, I, podcaster? All right. The other thing is like, for those of you who are were not, are not 50 year old white guys, like people, mm. Public Enemy terrified people. There's an oh, FBI dude, file totally on Public sure. Enemy. Like those guys standing on stage yep. that like, like people thought that i mean and the farrakhan stuff like people were really worried like this public enemy and they leaned into it hard and i and i just i admire and, and like as you said like there's an anti-semitism this professor griff and the nation of islam there's a long very sad history of anti-semitism in the african-american community as marginalized groups in america were pitted against each other by a hegemonic force and it plays itself out to a certain extent in these records but i also like they were so unapologetic in their politics. And I think Public Enemy liberates some other artists of the moment to lean into politics in a way that they might not have had the space. The, the oh, space so dude, that, this is perfect. Yep. The so I have a glass half full and a glass half empty take on it. Are you ready? Okay, well, can I just finish that? Yeah. I don't think Spike Lee goes from she's got to have it to do the right thing in two and a half years without Public Enemy. Great. Helping Great. blaze yeah. that, that space for him. So and the there's glass a lot of other artists as well. So the Glass Half Empty take on this is it's the same year that Straight Outta Compton comes out. And there's a clear dichotomy in the rap community. Yep. Like yep. those two records stand as two model records for what we're going to see for like until 2020. And I am yep. extra sad to report that Straight Outta Compton wins in a route like by a mile. Yep. Gangster yeah. rap becomes rap, period. And NWA basically fades away from here. 
Um, and I'm not anti, like in particular, it's straight out of Compton. Like th that's protest music of its own kind. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it's like that just breaks my heart that the, 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 uh, the public enemy version of it doesn't last longer. If you want to do glass half full, it's exactly what Jeff said. Dude, this is bigger than rap. It's actual protest music. Like yeah. Fugazi cites public enemy. Adi DeFranco cites uh, these guys. Rage Against the Machine. Like there's a whole group of protest right. music and each one of them keeps building off of what these guys did and their bravery, just exactly as Jeff said. I do a, I do a workshop on uh, Civil Rights Day called When Rap Got the Gun, where I explain to students this, this break um, and I show them Fight the Power. And that, that music video, it's, it's a political rally. Oh yeah, and, and you know what is more scary for white America, uh, a black man with a gun or a black man voting? Mm. And you know they immediately say a black man with a gun, and it's like no, no, white America knows exactly what to do with a black man with a gun, uh, and that's why gangster rap I think gets promoted over guys like KRS-One or or Chuck D. That's going to be oh. very interesting for us to explore in the '90s. Like I'm, yeah. I I don't have a fully formed thought yet, but like Ben's absolutely. You both of you are making really compelling arguments, and it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out over the next ten years, ten weeks of this podcast. Hey, I've got a weird related question, and it's a little bit sad. <laughs> on uh -oh. on um, when you go on Spotify, you do the artist, and it'll uh -huh. show you their five most played songs. Uh -huh. What? Uh, name any of the top five public enemy songs because there's by the two time i get to arizona there. by the um, time i get fight the no, power that's not on there welcome the to power. the terror dome nope not on there um burn hollywood burn nope uh what? it's seriously like you, you, like so th there's one that you know for sure and tim already mentioned it fight the power fight the power is on the sure, list for of course. sure okay then the Fight the Power 2020 remix is on there. So that's two of the five. Okay. Um, there's a song from this record that's not Bring the Noise, which is a great Oh, Don't Believe the song. Hype. Don't Believe yeah. the Hype is on there too. Okay. Dude, there's two songs, one of which you've heard, one of which I predict you guys have not heard because you don't have daughters who are 19 and 17. It's their favorite Public Enemy song. What is what it? What is it? Okay, so um, he got game. Oh, I was oh, gonna sure. guess that. Yeah, right? okay. which is fine. But again, like, oh, and I'll go into the sampling thing. Like, basically, because of the legal system, sampling got ruined, and that yeah. killed Public Enemy. Right. Like, they weren't allowed to do this anymore, and that murdered them because of a nineteen. And then they just band. became a band with Stephen Stills singing guitar behind them. Yeah. Yeah, totally, <laughs> dude. The number one most played song on oh. Spotify is harder than you think. From the 2007, how do you sell soul oh, to the soulless nation? That is really disappointing. So hold on, hold on. Harder than you think. I've never. It's actually fine. Okay. It's yeah, fine. but it's not great. It's oh okay. no, no, dude, it's not great. There's 10, 20 better Public Enemy songs. Okay. But that being said, my daughter's like a Public Enemy song, so I'm like, you know, I'm not going to argue with it. Okay. Like, Fair enough. But yeah, it's it's a it's so much less interesting, um, and it's like it's a little bit sad that that's where we're at. Okay. Can't trust it's not in the top five. No, oh. man. Dude, I gave you the top five. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. All right. All right. Wow. Awesome pick. That was pretty great. We're we are right with you. Never uh, go, but, never but go Jeff second. Simons, <laughs> Jeff Simons, you're going to go in a different direction. What's your all right, pick? So this is, a, this is a great year. It's funny. I thought 88 would be the year we were all in most agreement, just knowing who we are and what right. we, uh, where we gravitated. So 
Uh, I'm taking my bronze medal song because I'm leaving the silver medal for Tim because we all share an affinity for the for the band that is going to be Tim's pick, although I think we quibble over the, the pick. So my bronze medal is also not an American. This is a particularly weak year for American rock music, in my opinion. Uh, yep. 88's a down year. I like the Living Color record a lot. I still yeah. kind of like the Living Color record a lot. I saw them live and they brought it. I'm a fan. Um, I like the Pixies record. Sure. Um, but um, I don't particularly care for Rattle and Hum. So... It's a down year for you too. I feel, I have the same problem with when love comes to town as I have with roll with it, which is oh, great. maybe okay. a little too mean, but that's really where rattle and hum gets. So I would, a, I would argue that the lyrics in when love comes to town are, are better. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. But I mean like, you know, the music. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So here's, here's an intro. Here's my, my bronze. Book. This is a song um, where it's not a, here's it's a Jeff pick in the sense that, it's a long song. It's got these waves and waves and waves of sound, but it's hip I think it's hypnotic and it was instantly my favorite song from this record and still my favorite song by this cool. band by some distance. So this is an Irish band um, that began as a really a duo between two guys, a guy uh, named Mike Scott. Oh, and my uh, people. <laughs> and then a guy whose name just jumped out of my head who I can't believe it. Anyway, he went on to, they, they, they were the Waterboys at first and then the other guy left and started a band called World Party. Which is so, so great. Uh, what's that guy's name? Who's the guy? Around? Oh, Carl Wallinger. So Carl Wallinger leaves, starts World Party and they make a bunch of great music. In fact, music. Um, they have a record coming up that I really love in 1990. Um, Me but, too. Um, and the, so this is band's called the Waterboys and Scott is definitely imagining himself as part of the Irish poet tradition. Like there's lots of Yeats quotes. Yep. There's lots of, uh, you know, barnstorming. There's a big Irish brogue. And, and their first couple records, I thought they were okay, not great. He goes into the studio to record this record and he brings a big band. He brings like a traditional Irish band. So he's got the full rock ensemble, but then he's got Irish pipes and he's got banjos and he's got violins and they just start recording. And he tells the guy in the studio, don't stop recording. And we're just gonna come in every morning, we're gonna play, and I'll tell you when the record is done. And they <laughs> play, and they play, and they play, and they play, and they fill 11 and a half hours of magnetic tape. Wow. Music. And not 11 and a half hours of multiple takes, but 11 and a half hours of, of individual distinct songs. Wow. So that's, that's, and for those of you, that's 10 CDs worth of music. <laughs> So he cuts it back to eight, he cuts it back to six, he cuts it back to four, and eventually puts out a record called Fisherman's Blues. And Fisherman's Blues is a nine, it's like an 11 track record. It's really uneven. Like there are great songs and there are really crappy songs and there are like covers that are kind of strange. And when I first heard the record, I was like, oh, it's too bad, it's so uneven. And it's hilariously uneven. Now that we've gotten Fisherman's Blues, Fisherman's Blues Deluxe Edition, Fisherman's Blues alternate version and the right. complete Fisherman's Blues oh that came gosh. out three years ago, oh which is a yellow box set with 12 CDs of like <laughs> almost 14 hours of music. There's a better 45 minute record hiding in there than what he released. But the second track on this record, the title song is fun and it's got these great whoops in it, but I am partial to this song, which is uh, a classic kind of meshing of Van Morrison uh, singing and the U2 kind of one big long wave and end 
and also kind of these very old um, uh, Irish sounds. There's, you know, you'll hear in this, there's a lot of uh, pizzicato acoustic guitar. There are these huge violin parts. We Will Not Be Lovers by the Water Boys. first and second takes because the drummer's not sure where the chorus is like, right right does not belong there he's like da 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 he's like whoops yeah. that was the um i the, the hipster pick would have been teenage riot by sonic youth which is a song i do love yeah and the other hipster pick is cult of personality and i love both those songs but i went i went i threw it in the jeff blender and uh you went um, to ireland that that when that when we're in the fifth minute of that song and they're still grinding away like i do that find fiddle. the song like super yeah. hypnotically appealing and so oh, i agree that song is a banger i i i, I like on balance i kind of like fisherman blues better but i mean both of those are great that's a great song right i, I feel great you know i didn't pick hole of the moon i didn't pick fisherman blues so I, i'm glad that the water boys got some airtime on our podcast and i'll never forget driving through dublin with you and and you saying oh there's there's the guinness there's Guinness headquarters. There's the Guinness factory. And Jay Tandon in the backseat just opens the door and says, see you in Dingle. Yeah. <laughs> and he pretends to roll out of the car. That's the greatest ad lib maybe ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love the water boys. Well, as luck would have it, Jeff Simons, guess where I'm going with my pick? Well, I kind of knew you were going down the road here. So. I am going to Ireland as well. It's funny. We had, uh, we got Public Enemy on one coast, and we've got uh, Straight Out of Compton, NWA on the other coast. In Ireland, we have the Water Boys, and in Ireland, we have the Pogues. What a lovely kind of lullaby to put this podcast to bed. Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues. There was Christmas Eve babe, in the drunk tank An old man said to me Won't see another one And then I sang 
a song The rare old mountain dew I turn my face away And dream about you God, I'm the lucky one Came in late into one I've got a feeling This years from me and you So happy Christmas I love you, baby I can see a better time When all our dreams come true They got cars, big as bars They got rivers of gold But the wind goes right through you It's no place for the old When you first took my hand on the cold Christmas Eve I hope the post oh. lawyers will be kind to us. I went, I went over, but... You went over... I mean, I think, I think they'll give us a break because that's just a beautiful song. And you know what? Ben Barton, Jeff Simons, when this whole thing is over, I am buying each of you a Guinness at a pub in Dingle, and we will toast our podcast and, and uh, all the great music that we've explored done, in this podcast. Done and done. Indeed. Done and Tim, done. thank you, man. Thank you. I tried to choose this for last year. Uh-huh. I really wanted to choose this for this year. It's, this is like one of, definitely one of my 50 favorite songs ever. Yeah. Just, it broke my heart not to be able to talk about it. I love this one. Oh, and if you, if you haven't heard the whole thing, please go to Spotify and check out our, our song list because it's a great song. And this, we, this record, we, along with Takes a Minute, Nation of Millions, like there, most years have a bunch of great records. But uh-huh. I mean, I think the Pogues of I Should Fall from Grace of God and MPE's Nation of Millions just dominate the landscape of this year. Like I would put living colors vivid in the bronze medal spot. And then everything else is like a big step Step below in my opinion. I know I'm supposed to love daydream nation by Sonic youth, but that's a really long record. Ben, Ben Barton, why do you love the song? So, um, Tomorrow is my 25th wedding anniversary. Woo! And I can't tell you how many times I've said to my wife, I'm the lucky one, I came in at 10 to one. Like, uh, so basically, I, I, Jeff, actually, actually, both of you guys probably like the Pogues more than I do. But this is everything that's great about the Pogues. First, they had yep. this amazing Irish-American experience in America. Yep. Second, they have that poor guy and it actually, it hurts my feelings. Like yeah. we, we talk sometimes like with James Brown and then uh, with some other artists where they, they're not singing about the life, they actually live the life. Shane, Shane McGowan McG- lived the life. Shane McGowan oh, is, is still he's living the life. He's about being drunk and he was a drunk. And it's yeah. uh, really sad, but it's, I mean, just like there's many Irish artists that this is true of, like it's beautiful work. Like his description of what mm-hmm. that's like like it's Christmas Eve in the drunk tank. Oh, Dude, uh, I told God. you I had the super fun kids mix. This is yeah. where the girls, the, the slur, the F word yeah. is from this song. Yeah. And when they were like in kindergarten, they were like, what's going on with that? Like, and I was like, well, this is the part of the song where they're not very happy with each other. Yeah. Yeah, that I, lands. It's funny. That lands uh, funny. much yeah. harder for me the older I get. 
you know? Oh, yeah, no, but dude, I mean, he calls her a heroin addict. And oh, a I know, prostitute. I know. Like, it's not, it's not, like, that's the thing. Like, this song is a beautiful love song, and it's a great Christmas song, and, and it's, it's a harsh. brutal, searing it's, indictment of the life it's, they live. It's like, so, it's, it's all and of it those so things. it's so Irish. It's a star called Henry. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, um, uh, Joyce. I mean, it really is. Yeah. I've seen, I I saw the Pogues live uh, only once in my lifetime. And, uh, you know, Shane McGowan comes out and and you, you can almost hear the gasp from the audience. Oh, when he opens his mouth, those teeth are not to be. Well, no, not, not just his teeth, but just his state kind of coming out. Like, Oh, oh, is he going to make it? And then of course it's Shane McGowan. He he makes it, (laughs) he can get through anything. Um, Keith Richards but I do has think had some uh, issues as well with substances, has he not? Been? Yeah, but Keith Richards does not project. Like to me, and this no, is the right. thing that hurts my feelings about McGowan. Is he projects? I can bear. I can. I have so much hatred for myself and for everything about yes. me that I have to be this drunk all the time. Like right. the only way for you to make it through a day without just like losing it is to be at this level. Right. Keith Richards has got a more joyous. Uh, yeah, I totally agree, you. man. Keith yeah. Richards is the uh, Keith Richards is at the end of the bar regaling everyone with stories, and McGowan's at the other end of the bar watching yeah. Richards do that, that silently bastard. throwing them back. Like, I mean, it really, it's hard. I saw McGowan um, with the Popes, which is the band he. I mean, he burned his way through the Pogues, couldn't deal with him anymore after 1991, and uh, I saw him in the mid 90s at some like Irish festival, right? Like, sure, was, sure. Like, bunch of traditional Irish bands and he was the headliner and it was the Saw I mean, Doctors. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. By that <laughs> point it was like the show was look how how ruined I am. And that's oh, when it, God. then you're just like a freak show and it well, hurt, uh, that hurt me. Now I'm now I'm all depressed. When we finished the song and I was about to buy you guys a Guinness, I was all happy and joyous and just no. buy us one. Don't buy all us right. the whole thing. That's factory. what I was just all gonna right. say. So. We'll we'll have a responsible number of Guinnesses and then take an uber home like but the, yeah man i pair the this american song irish with, experience <laughs> but i well, paired this song with if i should fall from the grace of god which yeah, is a right. two minute banger where uh, he's telling the band let me go let me go I'm, yeah. I'm headed down this like all right people you gotta listen to your pogues you gotta understand who this band is because they are awesome and what a podcast uh Three fifty-year-old white guys uh, broke down race in America, right? And uh, substance abuse. We do it all. It's really amazing. We'll go back to covering uh, sitcoms and Olympic history next week. Don't oh, we? dude, wait till next year. It's going to be a little more cheery on my end. <laughs> oh, good. good. Uh, I, I hope I know what you picked. I'm really excited. We might more pick the same song Paula again in '89. Oh, there's a zero percent chance. I'll bet you a hundred thousand dollars you did not pick my song. Well, then I'm picking something else. That's good to know, though. (laughs) Very good. All right. And don't forget, top three record stores for next week's podcast. Nice. No problem. All right. Um, Hey, happy anniversary. Yeah. Go India. Gosh, what a a blessed uh, man you are to find her. All right. I'm the lucky one, man. I came in at 10 to 1. 10 to 1. We'll see you later. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. If you like what you hear, 
Leave us a good review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And come visit us on our Facebook page where you can weigh in on who actually had the best song of the year. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Ass. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.